Welcome back to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward, and uh, I'm very excited for this week's episode. Um, just to give you guys a little bit of background information. So um, in my day job, I'm a seventh grade science teacher, <laughs> uh, and I work at a middle school. I love teaching middle school. It's been what I've been doing. Um, I think this will be my eighth year teaching. Um, it's always been either seventh graders or eighth graders, so you know, you get the kids at that uh, kind of weird age where they're going from, you know, elementary, like where they're a kid uh, to high school where they're starting to uh, become an adult and like working towards that. Right. Um, in fact, like <laughs> when I tell people I teach middle school, a lot of times I'd say like 95 percent of the reactions are bless your heart or like, oh, glad, glad you're doing glad someone's doing it. <laughs> Um, which always kind of perplexes me because honestly and truly I would not want another job. Like it suits me. I enjoy it. Work doesn't feel like work most days. Um, and I, I like working with the kids, you know? Um, and this year I have been tasked with, um, adding a leadership course. Uh, so I'm going to teach a 12 week leadership course to, um, both seventh and eighth graders. And I got to tell you, I'm extremely excited. I feel like this suits my, um, this suits my strengths really well. It kind of like is in line with my passions. Um, you know, but all that being said, if you think about the topic of leadership, it is a very difficult to define. Um, so think about like, what is a great leader? We've seen all sorts of different types, all sorts of different attitudes, all sorts of different ways they go about leading. Um, and so it's really hard to kind of like pinpoint, like what are the skills and what are the discussions I need to have with my seventh graders and eighth graders about being a good leader. And on top of all that, how do you make that effective for kids who are in middle school, you know, who are maybe haven't even begun to understand their roles as leaders or the opportunities in front of them as leaders. Um, and so this question has been in the back of my mind all summer. And as we're approaching school right now, I'm two and a half weeks before it starts, um, this question has now come to the forefront of my mind. So um, what can I do to make an effective leadership course for, um, for middle schoolers, you know? And as I've been thinking about it, I was connected with a guy in my town, um, who's going to be on the podcast today, <laughs> this awesome dude named Tyler Johnson. Um, and Tyler does this. He, he helps young people understand their role and their power as leaders um so he does this through something he calls elevate educate rejuvenate um so you can kind of look that up and you can find all of his stuff on instagram and facebook and things like that and he's a super inspiring guy and and the thing about tyler is he's actually lived the life right like he's not just out there passing advice um in an unauthentic way um he's incredibly authentic he's been a leader he was uh captain for the northern iowa university of northern iowa football team the panthers um 
and he was a leader on that team. But then moving forward, he also has worked with numerous professional sports teams. And uh, so he's been able to see leaders, um, see programs that are being led in really effective ways, but then also see not only coaches or managers because he was with the White Sox, but also um, players who are great leaders. And while he was working in these fields, he was able to kind of absorb and study and observe and learn from all of these different people. Um, and now he's able to apply that in probably the most important way, which is by teaching these qualities to young people, which is, in my opinion, one of the most admirable things uh, you can do with your time. You know, in this podcast, we're all about spreading goodness. That's the point of it, right? Um, and that's exactly what Tyler has been able to do. Uh, so let's get right into it. I love this discussion. It's really got my brain going. Um, and I'm really excited to share it with you because Tyler is just just a great dude. Um, so this is the Like a Bigfoot podcast number 155. It's time to elevate, educate, and rejuvenate with Tyler Johnson. All right, guys, today we have Tyler Johnson here um, from Elevate, Educate, Rejuvenate. Uh, yeah, man, welcome to the show. Thank you. Appreciate yeah. it. I Thanks never know how me. to start these things. Uh, <laughs> um, do you want to kind of just give us like a uh, little background information um, before we kind of get into it? Sure. Um, where do you want me to start, I guess? Uh, yeah. yeah, you can start with like <laughs> athletics or whatever you want, man. What, yeah. What's Elevate? Uh, educate, rejuvenate. Rejuvenate. So, I mean, really uh, a good place to start, yeah. Um, what it is, is really just kind of a a system. And when I was in college, I don't ha didn't have it labeled so, you know, acutely with, yeah. with, with how I do it or package like that. But, um, you know, really it was a, when I became a college athlete uh, and was kind of, you know, going through some challenges and trying to navigate uh, that world. Um things that really popped out to me that I really had knew I had to start focusing on that I, I you know didn't maybe at the high school level was man I gotta choose to elevate my attitude a little bit every day like I, got, I gotta elevate that energy every day and show up and um, you know learn you know learn learn on film learn from the guys that are already first string learn from the guys on special teams learn something every day that, that was gonna make me a better football player and then, you know, technique-wise, uh, within your position or in your special teams, you know, figure out what works for you and then re put those into play, put those into your process. So um, it was really, you know, that those kind of three things, those ideals of, of learning something, bringing more energy and, and, you know, figuring out what works. And if it doesn't work, eliminate it, man. It's probably putting a drag on the energy or the other th things above it um, or your opportunities to learn. So... Um, with kids, I always kind of say it's a little bit like our cell phone, <laughs> um, that, you know, everything is a choice. You know, if your phone, you want to use an app in there, the first thing you usually do, you pull it out of your pocket, you usually got to unlock it. You know, we got to elevate, unlock our brains to be, be willing to learn stuff. Um, if you want your phone to have the capacity to do more things, 
um, you're probably going to make some downloads. You know, you got to educate and update that phone. And then, uh, you know, some apps don't work for us. We don't use them. Some things aren't efficient. You know, some to cost too much that we don't we don't use. And you rejuvenate and you get rid of those apps and, and you create that system. But the same way with our brain and you just have to be intentional. Um, I just think sometimes we're more intentional with those apps on our phone than we are with uh, the process with, you know, our self-improvement. Yeah. As a middle school teacher, I got to give you respect for making the analogy with a cell phone. Because <laughs> I'm like, dude, that, that's one thing they'll actually be like, this guy makes total sense to me now. <laughs> right. You, you know, and I think there's a, there's a lot of, you know, someone with a brain designed those phones. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of opportunities to, you know, especially with, with certain things to, to make those connections for kids that, you know, even myself, I might be more familiar with something on a phone than when you get down to the nitty gritty science of brain wiring. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, so you've worked a lot with um, athletes in the past. And do you find like this is a common theme? Because I've talked to a lot of athletes on the show here and that exact like thinking process is something a lot of them have kind of echoed, like not in the same terms, sure. but it's that same general idea, especially the educate part of just like being a sponge and absorbing any information from anybody who's willing to give it to you yeah i think the i mean the learning one is huge and um i was even at an event uh last october was aspen institute's project play thing and kobe bryant was a part of it and he got like the softball question at the very end like what advice would you give to kids you know (laughs) he just sat there and like looked at the dude and said learn 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 you know, the whole crowd's like, how many times is he going to say learn at this guy? And, and you know, and then you just talk, unpack that a little bit. But especially we have so many opportunities to learn. I think when you're that that curiosity, yeah. if you have that curiosity to learn, you're, you're, it, within that you're going to find that curiosity to get better. Yeah. And I think it's just the action of, of seeking to, to find things. And, um, you know, it's kind of the old cliche that once you think you have it all figured out <laughs> is when you figure out you don't. Um, those kind of things. So. Um, the learning and when you talk about the system that's real important when I'm working with kids or coaches or a team is when you have a system it's going to work um, otherwise you know there's going to be a culture or a system it just yeah. not, might not be by design so it's not going to be as efficient so I think whether you know I, I called you know my life experience you know as part of the generation of, of why I call it elevate educate rejuvenate but uh, helping you know create your system that's unique and works for you yeah is the important part yeah. And I think that's the big thing with athletes is their willingness to learn and change their system. And, and I think those common denominators, whether it's sports or anything else, you, you see a lot when they talk about how they got to be where they are. Yeah. <clears throat> well, it's a lot of like taking your ego out of it, too, because if you're just going into something thinking like I'm the best there is, I know exactly what I'm doing. Like, you know, kind of like the being stuck in your old ways, like what I've done has worked for me and I don't care what anyone else says. Like you're going to get passed up eventually. Yeah. You know? I, I think those kind of words, I think we kind of grew in that coaching area of you know, <laughs> the stubbornness of, you know, I did yeah. it this way and it's always worked, which to me, when I hear that it's, it's always a red flag. Yeah. You know, cause if, if it's always worked, there's going to be a time it doesn't, <laughs> you know, probably and if it's been consistently a hundred, it's probably coming sooner than you think. You never know. But, uh, especially when it comes to sports, um, you know, being able to, I think the coaches that listen to their players yeah. are sometimes more and more, you hear that from championship basketball, college, pro coaches that, you know, this intuition that they have, you know, listen to the guys that are seeing things on the floor, or on the field, 
is some of their coaching advantage. Yeah. It's just listening to the great guys they <laughs> are coaching yeah. uh, that are getting paid more than me in some situations at the pro level um, yeah. to tap into all the things that are around you that can help you become better. Yeah, man. So w- a lot of times you're working with what kind of athletes? Like when you're going – like if, so, for example, you're doing a leadership conference coming up. Yeah. What kind of athletes, coaches, like what kind of people are coming to the conference? Um, yeah, so it's mostly designed, uh, that event, um, for high school student athletes okay. uh, and their coaches. So so really any of those ages, kids going into high school, yeah. um, into kind of their, their senior year. Yeah. Um, so I think that's interesting because I think that the kids who are really successful at high school, at the high school level, those are the kids that need to hear this more than anything. Um, the whole idea of like you don't know everything you know because if someone's successful in high school it's like they could be like miles beyond anyone they're playing right sure and so then if they're just like well i know everything i'm the best like you know, the cocky attitude of it you right know? but to and then once you transition into college though all of a sudden you realize like oh i'm playing with a bunch of other players who are on the same level as me the coaches yeah. are generally they ramp up their knowledge a bit you know when yeah. you go up to the college at least from my experience sure. seeing college football coaches but but yeah so i think that's i think that's an interesting age to to talk with do you ever get like resistance to those ideas or like does anyone ever like challenge those that that like thinking i guess what are you challenge the things that i'm sharing about yeah um i mean in some situations, you know, in smaller group settings with high school kids, you know, I've had, you know, some discussion yeah. or, or maybe yeah. uh, it, usually it's it's pretty quality then because they're pushing back on an idea or Which their is experience, good. you yeah. know. And again, that's their experience versus, you know, something maybe we just talked about um, in a large group setting. Uh, I don't get that feedback, but obviously you, you go into schools or you work with larger groups. Um, yeah, there's going to be kids that, you know, something's more important on their brain yeah. at nine in the morning or seven thirty or three thirty. <laughs> um, but for the most part, I, I think in, in, you know, we were kind of talking about before about how do you design and, and do things with kids? Uh, I try to create things that, you know, are going to engage all the kids they are going to get them up and moving. So, um, there isn't a, a passive point if you're going to go present or try to teach, um, create moments of engagement for them that are they're used to that they want to learn from and that stimulate them yeah. and um there's a great book um called the iy generation um by tim elmore and uh he, one of the things that jumped out about it to me he talks about you know keeping kids attention and uh, parents attention <laughs> you know first and it just always kind of like as i try to structure things uh when i speak or work um he said, you know, if you're, you're speaking with adults or a group of educators, you know, or parents, they'll probably give you to like maybe, you know, in a sitcom analogy to the second commercial break. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. That, that like 13 <laughs> to 15 minute point. Yeah. Um, it, and that's kind of how he set up more importantly. He's like, kids are going to maybe give you to the first commercial break. Yeah. You, you, you about seven minutes. Exactly. Like <laughs> those first five or seven minutes. And then at the same time, the way kids learn these days and the way even they see their parents structure their lives integrated with their phone between work, drop off, scheduling the kids, soccer practice and all those things. Yeah. That's just modeling what they're starting to do. So it becomes so, so integrated um, that, you know, the, the kids window is short, but they also want that break. 
yeah. every seven minutes. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I, I think you have to when you give them that break um, to have fun, to disengage for a moment, um, to be social. Um, to whatever it might be, they're going to come back with a higher level engagement than when you just keep pushing, pushing, pushing. And, yeah. and you see a lot of um, education in schools experimenting and adjusting to, to different curriculums because we know people learn differently than we have been structuring for many years yep. in certain situations. So, um, yeah, I think you know when you talk about the age group of the event, it's because I needed it, yeah. you know, and it, I had a lot of big big world shocks I think come to me in college um, that you know my talent let me coast by on certain things in high school and uh, you know I'm glad I had the rude awakenings I did yeah. at the yeah. ages I did and at the same time uh, those rude awakenings were you know woken up by great people around me um, to help kind of keep me on a, a path and a process yeah. that was going to make me better it's a, it's a rude awakening but you're like thank god i had this you know yeah yeah <laughs> i think you know i'm i'm glad i had the ones i did you know whether it's through sports or, or socially or, or girlfriends yeah. or, or those kind of <laughs> things um when i did so you know i could figure out how to learn from them yeah well because i mean i just remember going from high school football and then the first day of college football camp and you're like shipped up there, and I was at Division Three. You're at One AA, which is like even the next, like a next level up. Um, but you go up there and you don't know anybody, and all of a sudden you're dropped off, and you're like, oh, not only am I living by myself now, yeah. but I'm on this like football team with grown men who are like looking to like destroy me, basically. Yeah. You know I, what I mean? <laughs> totally. I mean, I back in my day, I don't even know. I, you know, we showed up like the freshman, like a day or two before you know, oh, freshman yeah, yeah. camp. Yeah. And then, um, I was playing defensive back and one of my best friends from high school, his older brother was already a, a well-established wide receiver at UNI named Eddie Berlin and a uh, great athlete, all conference kind of dude. And just remember that first practice, <laughs> we had to go do one-on-ones with all the receivers and, you know, little little freshman me comes up and Eddie all conference all American wide receiver and he just goes deep and I remember almost keeping stride with him and I was like I kind of belong here I kind of belong here and then he just kind of pulled away a minute <laughs> made this easy catch held the ball on me he was like what's up Urbandale Jayhawk welcome to the big league yeah basically man you it's know just, get to work and the speed was the speed is just insanely different and it's yeah. hard to even describe to kids who are in high school for sure of like how much of a step up that's going to be yeah because you're going you're playing against like 22 year olds now. this you guy know? i think eddie i think ran one of the you know the top 540s at the combine that yeah. year for receivers <laughs> yeah. so as you know it's like whoa um that's what we got to deal with here yeah so yeah. um you know it it is a big you know athletically and i think the social thing like you mentioned there's so many life adjustments just oh, yeah. just for for that let alone um to be put into a competitive atmosphere, especially whether it, that fall sport, yeah. you know, whether it's maybe it's, it's football, volleyball, whatever it might be, but you're getting rocking and rolling and school starts secondary. Everything's happening at the same time. Yeah. yeah. And then school's three weeks or two weeks into yeah. football camp. And then you're like, Whoa, this is a whole nother thing I have to deal with. But man, that's crazy. So what kind of like obstacles did you face? kind of along the way through the college football journey sure so i think one that i have brought up before i speak to kids with is it is one of those early lessons is really the big one in humility for me um 
my senior year in high school, I got ejected out of my uh, homecoming game my senior year. Um, How did that happen? Yeah, so um, you're playing the 0-7 team. You know, I always point out that our bad moments usually happen against, you know, not the great True. great things. And it was, you know, wasn't a great team. Um, we're supposed to blow them out. I was, you know, arrogant, you know, thinking I deserved, you know, X so many yards, X so many touchdowns coming my way. And I was on pace to, a lot, to do a lot of great things. And to that up to that point in the season, had – you know, worked hard enough to earn those things, and um, they had a kid. I don't know if you probably remember Jeff Horner. Uh yeah, Jeff He's Horner, all Big Ten point guard um, at <laughs> University of Iowa. Played with the Houston Rockets for a little bit. You know, still played on his high school football team, even though they were, you know, traditionally a, a O or O and eleven, O and nine type team yeah. or whatever. Then, and he played every position, and he scored three touchdowns in five minutes on our homecoming. We were down twenty-one nothing, and. We're trying to claw back, and I get dropped for a loss. And as I walk back to the huddle, my line guys, who are awesome all year, that's why I had such a good season, you know, it's like, come on, we're better than this, you know. And I kind of bark at them, and for some reason, I spike the football too. And the football bounces up and hits the referee behind me straight in the face because he's kind of like, where are you going with the ball? And he's kind of yeah, following me, and I, I yeah. spike it. So he he flags me before he kind of realized what hit him in the face, and we end up, you know, kind of making a, making a comeback. It's 35-21 at half, and then we start to put him away in the third quarter. And my second cousin played on this team, and I get tackled, you know, uh, in the third quarter. And as I'm kind of getting up, I'm leaning up with my shoulder pads, and this kid guy kind of pushes me as he comes off my leg, so my foot kind of goes flying. And, yeah. Um, I kind of look up. The white hat's right there, and I look up at him like, hey, you going to let that fly? And he kind of looks back down at me like, remember what you did in the first quarter? And I'm kind of like <laughs> – you know, his eyeball said it all, and I go back to the huddle, and then all of a sudden, the you know, the, the white hat came and tapped me on the shoulder, and he's like, but that guy threw a personal foul for kicking. Oh. And it was the guy that was hit in the face, that yeah. side judge that was hit in the face um, in the first half. And uh, so I had to sit out the next game. Um, luckily, my, my backup, my boy, Tommy Berlin, came in, rushed for 200 yards, and, and if they didn't win that game, we might have not made the playoffs. Yeah. So then we played Valley, who was like, you know, big game. Yeah. And then if they didn't win the game without me, we might have not made the so playoffs. So you feel like you let the team down for sure. Uh, like, I let myself down yeah. first, um, which I, I think, yeah, I let the team down because, you know, I wasn't even there. Yeah. And I think, you know, ex the best ability is availability. And, you know, literally by not having a, a mental game and a mindset to deal with, dealing with the 0-7 team when you're going to be fine, you know, ride out these waves and, you yeah. know, we, we crushed that team. But just to deal with that, you know, created a lot of struggles. And, you know, the, the bigger school stopped talking. So when you talk about adversity, that, that moment, that was big humility. And, you know, the, the news ended with, you know, star running back, ejected, Ooh. tune in tomorrow for more on the story. Luckily, like, other news broke, so they never continued the yeah. story, <laughs> you know? But social media wasn't around then either, but, like, Colorado State was out here was the only, like, D1 school that kept looking at me as a running back. Yeah. Um, you know, so it would have been very different, I think, you know, today's day and age with social media. Oh, yeah. Um, not just, uh, you know, maybe the, like, video of here's what happened, break it down, and then also the commentary that flows. And so, so I think just getting over that, uh, was hard and I think just you know being able to realize that you, I can have all the talent but man it, it only takes a couple quick things about a context to, to mess up your world yeah um, then I got to you and I uh, redshirted um, went through those growing pains you know worked out and then 
freshman year after that was playing on all the special teams, mm-hmm. um, you know, looking to maybe, you know, be a backup, get in the mix and, like, dime defense really down, you know, kind of. And uh, halfway through the year, um, I was having a lot of back pain and then figured out I had a condition called the spondylolisthesis, which created a, a fracture of my third lumbar. Um, so then that was, like, the first time, like, you know, I had the humility and then it was, like, the ego – an identity of having football taken away yeah um and having to the first two doctors were like you're done like you need a bone fusion yeah. no more football i was like i just got here i'm just starting to work you know and uh was able to go to another neurosurgeon that was like rest rehab reassess and, and was able to come back and, and finish out my career and yeah. play well but uh yeah th- those two i think moments were both two of the ones i i think i do what i do but also you know those created a lot of uh finding out who you are and yeah. what you're made of um at which kind of like for any athlete's career you know especially the kids you're talking to high school or you know before they're going into college like you almost have to expect those moments though like you almost have to go into it being like at some point my journey is going to take a weird turn for a yeah. little bit and how i like respond in that moment is going to be really the defining part of my athletic journey in my opinion i don't know big time i i think yeah and i had that's what again like i had no anticipation of those yeah. those moments and i think it was just like when they happened i didn't <laughs> i didn't have the tools to no. deal with it so what happened was was chaotic yeah so what tools are you passing along now um you yeah. know and and it's hard because it's almost like a person has to go through something like that to figure it out. Sure. Like it's an experiential learning kind of deal. Um, but like when you're talking to kids, getting them ready for their future, what kind of tools are you passing along to them? I think one big one is uh, just this idea of uh, self-talk. Yeah. You know, too yeah. too <laughs> early kids get this idea of talking to yourself is nuts. You know, they, they see it in movies or TVs or, or mom and dad point at someone on the street corner. Yeah. And that guy's crazy. Yeah. And, you know, they, they get this idea that the voice in my head is crazy. But we also start listening to that voice his ideas yeah. a lot. Yeah. Um, so I think just just starting to, to get them comfortable with, you know, you can talk, you can say positive things to yourself. Yeah. You know, and just getting them, you know, starting that path that positive self-talk is super helpful and um you know I've, that's one of the ideas you talk about push pack you know kids are kind of eh, just with their eyeballs or, or their like, non-verbals and be like what is he i'm not quite buying into that yet and you know it's one of the things that i say often and i think i heard someone else say is, is you know uh, you know negative self-talk uh you know uh, it, we get it every day yeah. you wake up with it everyone experiences oh the person who's the most negative in my life at times is myself like my own brain talking to me is way more hard on me yeah anybody else they they say i think it's close to we say uh about through our own thoughts that we don't let out into the world it's close to four thousand words in our head a day yeah that think something like that approximately and you know positive self-talk wasn't a hundred percent yeah efficient like negative self-talk is yeah like it's it's we all experience it it's it's all there so letting kids i think know it's real we everyone experiences it then how do we give tools to deal with it you know whether it's you know breathing to get there to you know take that that break or um you know fuel yourself with with mantras and it comes to like sports psychology everything you see on any 
I think it's like mantra, self-talk, yeah. right? And I think those kind of mental skills, especially you see it collided with, you know, the statistics we see with anxiety and depression into the teenage years that, you know, has really surged. Um, I think it's so important that, you know, we use sports that are testing these these ideals, these concepts, and these, these things anyway um, to use them to, to help them build a set of things. Yeah. So I think, you know, that's one. Um, two, I think it, it is just uh, something that's helped me older that I knew nothing about as an athlete. Um, just breath work, being able to breathe, um, meditation. Gets you back in the moment. Yeah, and I, and I think just even, you know, spending a few moments in trying with, with no thought. Uh, yeah. Again, we're brains running. That, that <laughs> negative voice will pop up when you try to think of nothing. Yeah. Um, that, you know, I worry about what's for dinner or worry if the baby's going to wake up or I worry what's going on tomorrow yeah. or, man, that blog I posted yesterday, I hope they interpreted that right. You know, you, you start to either think forward and back. And I think that what meditation and breath work has done for me is just helped to relieve some of those um, things that I wish I wish I had those when I, you know, was more physically stressed as an athlete in life demands um, as a father and, and kind of things now yeah. I use them in a different function yeah. um, you know um, but I think getting kids to understand that, that some of these soft skills breath work and um, self talk um, are extremely powerful and again when you go to see what makes people successful we, we see that self talk um, come up uh, in a lot of forms and, and ways so. nice what kind of uh, like do you suggest mantras or do you have Cause that's actually like, okay. So I guess side note, now that we're 25 minutes in, um, <laughs> I asked Tyler to come on because I'm organizing a leadership class this year and it's like a, it has to be a 12 week class for seventh graders. And I'm like, and I basically have to make it up, you know? I mean, I have like, I have so many ideas yeah. and I'm so excited, but I'm finally like, we're a month away from school starting. I'm like, I should probably start organizing these thoughts into ideas, right? But you're gonna kill it. It's gonna be great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but so the mantra thing, are you do you suggest some or are they coming up with their own that are like special and meaningful to them or what? So again, kinda like the system, I think, you know, it's gotta have your genuineness yeah. to be useful. Um, you know, there as people get introduced to some tools, you know, sometimes copying what works for other people is a good way to, to start to yeah. see if it even you're feeling the impact, um, but then I think the more you can make it. Um, the event I'm doing last year, um, our keynote speaker Ryan Harris, Super Bowl champion, played at Notre Dame. Um, he brought it up in, in his talk, and um, it was something that I remember had a teacher used to tell me back when I was a kid too. Um, but even the one he used, and I share about it all the time, just because it, it gives. I think it's a great one. It's kind of one they can take, but then expand on it. Is yeah. I am, I can, I will. Yeah. And I'll have crowds when I speak sometimes just say that. And it's like mostly like candidly, I like getting them to say that for me to get more energy on stage too. Yeah. Cause like getting uh, 200 people to shout at you, I am, I can, I will, I am like when you're on stage, like you feel awesome. And like, yeah. you can see, you know, the point I usually am more making while it, feel, it feels great to, to cultivate that energy in the room. Um, people's body language changes yeah. their eyes open up they start to smile they start to look at the people next to them yeah because they're starting to think like i i and that's you know whatever the i am fill in those blanks i am tyler yeah. i can make an impact 
I will try harder to do so. Whatever yeah. you can fill in those sentences. And Ryan does a great job. It's a great book. You, Mindset for Mastery. Check out Ryan Harris's book. Um, I'm writing also, all these down, he, by the way. He also talks about, you know, when you need to reflect on yourself, you know, using those kind of phrases, you know, I am not working hard enough. I can do mm, better. Okay. And so, you know, I love the way that he gave some dichotomy to the mantra to also give us a foundation to, to tell ourselves truths and challenge yourself. Yeah. Like not necessarily like, I don't consider that negative self-talk. I no, think that's like, if there's an area that realistically you're not doing the best that you can do at it, like yeah. you should be honest with yourself. You and know? The, you know, why did I get a, a C instead of a, a, a yeah. you know, I, I didn't study hard enough. Yeah. I, I can study more. I will go to the library tomorrow. Yeah. And, and you know, and you start to fill in those, those blanks around that. That's why I like using that as a simple one. Um, with, you know, older athletes, I, I like to have them cultivate a couple sentences. Yeah. Maybe around their identity of who, who it is. Um, and it's something that's a tool I've used. I think it's one of those tools like you use it. I don't know. I think I like it. You build yourself. Like, again, we were talking about ego. Yeah. Like sometimes I'd use it every day. And like, I don't know if I need this much ego today, you know, like, but it's good. Like if that's, if that's what you're feeling, I think, you know, you have, if you have it as a go-to yeah. some tools, you got to go to every day. Like for me, meditation and breathing, that's an everyday thing. Yeah. You know, for me, mantra as I've, I've played with different ones. Um, you know, I, I'm more like to get into mantras when I'm, gonna go maybe get into like really working with teams or really getting into speak when I'm getting amped to be yeah. on yeah. Or, or you know into that mode um, so I'm a big believer I mean the science behind them is is ridiculous yeah um, especially as small as you know six words like I am I can I will yeah that's awesome man I love that so um, this is a topic I was trying to think of um, we had someone come into our school at the end of the year and she was talking about discipline right like discipline in schools you hear it all the time right and we all like as soon as you say that you automatically think about when you were in school getting oh. in trouble right like you're like discipline meant i was getting yelled at yeah or i was getting detention yeah. or whatever and the but the way she phrased it i was like wow like that blew my mind she's like that shouldn't be discipline it shouldn't mean punishment no it should mean how are we teaching kids to be disciplined yeah and i was like once she worded it that way, I was like, whoa, that totally just changed how I thought about, like, thought about this and, like, how I'm going to approach it. Like, because, you know, you want kids to start understanding, like, how, how can they be more disciplined in their life? In a, in a way, I've heard it is, you know, uh, in the coaching framework, I heard someone say, like, you don't, you know, you don't discipline your team, you punish your team. Yeah. They discipline themselves. Yeah. You know, and I think when you look at it that way, it's like, do you want to build discipline? It might require less punishment. You know, you know, if you're yeah, trying if to really instill a lesson. If your team's disciplined, you're not going to do punishment. Yeah, punishment might alienate them from the lesson you're trying to do because now they just think you're, you, you're, you're making me do this because yeah. I didn't understand it. And so I think, you know, discipline, um, you know, there's a lot of other words uh, out there that come along uh that you know the negative people out there hijacked yeah, yeah and we think there's something that they're not where you know discipline is is your ability to do it and uh one thing that i even you know question to myself sometimes with discipline i think people get confused and you like to do you early morning work yeah. right i love like running early in the mornings and sometimes with my family and my wife's a nurse and she's going to the hospital early like i can't go run at 5 30 because there's a baby and yeah. she's out the door 
and I used to be like, oh, I'm not living as disciplined. Like I can't, I can't do my workout in the morning. And you know, I needed to separate that. You know, the discipline was doing it every day. Yeah. When I did it as a strategy. Yeah. And I think also getting people to realize that we, we think some of these things are like, oh, that person works out every morning. They're disciplined. It's like, well, if they work out every day, they're disciplined. Yeah. The morning or night or they whenever they do it, it, that's a strategy that they have to deploy to get the work done. Yeah. And so just the same you hear from kids like, oh, I couldn't do this this morning. Thus, I won't do X, Y, Z Now this I'm afternoon. never going to do it. Now yeah. I'm not. And it's like, no. No, you can still. Yeah. That's, that's, that's not the right mindset. Like, you, you can change that right now. That's true, man. I guess that's a good way to put it because, you know, there are moments where I hit snooze, you know. I don't wake – I mean, most mornings I am up by – especially during the school year, I'm up by 4 to make sure I get a workout in before. But there are moments I hit snooze, and I like that idea of, like, that doesn't mean I'm not disciplined if later in the day I find time for it, Yeah. you know, just because I'm not doing it. I'm doing it according to my schedule, which is interesting. Yeah, ah, man, I wish like every day I wish I could do the morning thing. Yeah, you know, but it's like, <laughs> you know, sometimes I gotta go late morning or midday yeah, or exactly. you know run in the afternoon. But it was, you know, discipline I think is getting consistent. Yeah. And the other thing, you know, when you talk about leadership, kind of the you know maybe we can talk about it. Or the, you know, the kind of four core things I get into with some of my curriculum with kids is you know living in alignment. Yeah. That's discipline. You know, living in alignment with what you believe who you are yeah and then having your goals and you know that's what i try to work with kids where are your goals and then how are you living and then where's the alignment adjustments we need to reach those goals okay. how can we reach those goals faster and you know in, in the core four things that are you know i foundationally branch that off of is you know their belief their energy their influences and their action what are they yeah. doing and, and all four of those things have been described at their cores is what leadership is. Um, and at the very core, every one of those things, every person has an ability to improve. Yeah. You know, no matter what your confidence is, you can you know, figure out how to be more confident in, in another context of your life or share your beliefs or, and encourage more people yeah. um, with your family, with your team, whether your classroom, whatever it might be. We can always elevate those yeah. things a little bit more, whether it's energy. So those I, I try to focus in on because wherever you're at we can kind of if you put some intention or a system behind them you can elevate those things and they're going to create you know more discipline and leadership i believe yeah that makes sense man well it's it's the thing that's difficult or that i'm anticipating being difficult about my class is middle schoolers and high schoolers to an extent but definitely middle schoolers it's such a tumultuous time of craziness man. <laughs> yeah it's just yeah. craziness like oh man so much so even to get them to understand like what is my belief what is my foundation what yeah. are my morals that i want to build off of and what is important to me that's difficult and so i'm big time obviously like anticipating spending the first few weeks working on that aspect first yeah. before really even getting into and that's i think even at, when i'm working with certain groups you know different exercises to do to um, you know, if it's about leadership, um, find out where they're at. And again, you know, meeting them where they're at and then getting them to try to, you know, where we want to get them to go. Um, yeah. But, you know, you know, what makes it, you know, it's a simple question sometimes with high schools or teams, you know, what, what makes a good leader on this team? Yeah. You know, I'm working with a, a program or a team and, you know, they bring up the things that, you know, in their culture constitutes leadership. Um, 
and then you know the next thing is all right those you know great qualities you know that they bring up is if we're in a you know, team context we probably want to define them yeah. okay what what do you mean by good effort yeah or work ethic or teamwork um so you know getting them to you know create you know what are, what are synonyms and definitions for these those, those kind of things so um then i you know another way to do it next is, is get you know kids to choose like what are ones you know what are simply can't work on all these at the same time either, yeah. you know but what are what are one or two we can work on this week yeah. circle those okay and we're going to focus on those values nice. but that way you know they i think sometimes you see like you know, we've all been in that situation like someone else says something that goes on the board and what they said is the one that resonates more than the one that popped in your head at first yeah so i think you know just getting to sometimes the other people's ideas the discussion yeah, yeah. and i think you know it, it's some of it going to be you know sometimes when you unpack the definition yeah is when you especially the younger group is yeah. you might have to like provide those and you know a little bit cause like ah you might have the wrong idea that's more this yeah um a leader is someone who has a lot of youtube followers I, i've i've said <laughs> that's what i'm anticipating yeah that. i mean I, i've been in areas where you know you, I like people's like just to get general they'll, they'll name a title the yeah. president Oh yeah, you know, and, the, and like this day and age, like you'll see someone says that like the room will like get polarized. Yeah, and you're yeah like yeah. ah, please don't ruin, <laughs> you know. But just just they'll say a role, yeah. or, or, or something that they see, or you know, in the young kids aspect, they'll say an influencer. Mm, it's like okay. Okay, no, this yeah, you know, we, let's break down influence. Yeah, you know what what that is a little bit, um, at least in that context, is, yeah. is very dollar driven. Yeah, um, to a point. So oh, and I think. From a kid's perspective, because I just think the way I thought as a kid, when I thought of leader, especially in a sports context, you're thinking of the guy standing up, giving that speech, you know, getting everyone, yeah, yeah like getting crazy, you know, which is an aspect of a leader, right? Yeah. But there's all sorts of different types of leaders. There's sure. not just that guy who's getting them rallied up, giving them the rally speech or whatever. Yeah, I think a lot of research and a lot of books, you see a lot of uh, – CEOs or introverts, yeah, you know these dichotomies of yeah. you know when you when you start to kind of you know think of that. But well, my buddy, uh, not to bring up a sore subject because he came from you and I, but uh, <laughs> he was a, a student assistant for Iowa. Okay, and it was the game they played Northern Iowa, and Northern okay. Iowa by all rights should have won. Is this the field goal game? The double oh, yeah, field yeah, yeah, goal block at the end. Yeah, but anyway, so I was like, it was his first game working with the Iowa football program. So I was, you know, super curious, like, what's Kirk Ferentz like at halftime, the head coach of Iowa, you know, who I think is a great leader, yeah. you know? I'm like, what was he like at halftime? Like, you know, did he go in and just, like, give him that speech, you know? And my buddy's like, man, he came in with, like, 30 seconds left. Like, you didn't see him until there was 30 seconds left. He walked in, and he was just like, you know what you got to do. Let's go. And he's just, that was his sentence. And then they went out and yeah knew what they had to do and, you know, got after it, I guess. Yeah. I mean, that's what you think, you know, like, the, the movies are the movies. Yeah, like that's exactly. That's like when there's, like, you know, the De Niro and Last Given Sunday and, <laughs> yeah. you know, the USA hockey movie. Like, uh, that's why you hear them over and over because, you know, they're barely ever that yeah. good in real life. They're great like, movie speeches, though. Yeah, you know, remember <laughs> the Titans, you know, that's why, you know, coaches, we, we hang hats on them, but, like, yeah, in college football, I mean, they're, I mean, 
our head coach, there's a couple times, like, he came in in, like, pregame and, like – And was fired up. Yeah, but, like, you're only going to get fired up when that coach comes in and talks with. It's like, I always think there has to be, like, two things to make that collision for that, that speech to work. And it's – there's genuineness yeah. from the coach. Yeah. There's genuine fire, desire. And then there's also, like, we know the work we've put in, the yeah. effort, the preparation we've done. We know we're ready. Yeah. And like if you haven't worked hard that week in the coach like that speech isn't coming together. You and know how hard we work guys and, and you're like, "Man, yeah, you were and, yelling at us 2 days ago." And you fake it. And you know <laughs> we all like you've probably like you know in high school it's like I've seen you know that coach like comes in and is like, "Oh, they're going to beat the number 1 ranked team that always beats the school." Yeah, and you got to like pump but it's like, "Okay, let's Let's, let's start small goal. Like yeah. let's let's like be, let's like let's 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 meet back here at halftime with the lead for, you know. Guys, we're um, gonna win the coin toss. <laughs> you know, no, like, too small. Some, too small. You know, yeah. Just we don't can't control it, right? But uh, yeah, but like having those, those small things, and I think that's if you put in the work from genuine. But most of the time, like, call it, you're you're literally just making adjustments. Yeah. Like you meet with your, your yeah. defensive staff, you know, or whatever. Our, our coach was a defensive coach, so he was, sometimes was involved with that. Um, but most of the time it was less of this, more of that. Let's go yeah. into the second half. Um, yeah. The, the movies are the movies, but yeah, a couple of times our, our coach, you know, he got your mojo going. I yeah. Think, so, yeah. So um, when you think high of high school, I never remember one at all, <laughs> like it at all. When you think of, uh, just leadership in general and you think, cause you've been involved with a lot of different types of athletics, right? Like, yeah. So I guess kind of go into that for a second. Yeah. So uh, I originally wanted to be an accountant. <laughs> um, I learned in the business school that that wasn't the the business avenue for me. So I got into marketing and joked that you know the business school taught me I didn't want to work for eighty percent of the businesses and wanted to get into sports marketing and um, knew there's a lot of challenges of, of you know not a lot of numbers in those jobs and um, got an independent study with the guy that was it worked out great because the guy that was like ncaa academic liaison was also head of the marketing department at our school so um kind of had a relation with him um he created an independent study and then took another one of his classes that actually had to do these like what he called backdoor interviews people that had jobs you wanted oh that's cool you know and it's something you know i kind of you know deploy in other aspects of it when i'm trying to interview people it's like i'm trying to learn but he made us you know reach out to people that um, had jobs we wanted and I you know connected as many people I could that in pro sports and like oh this is how you this is the best way you set yourself up for success to get a job their advice worked very well yeah <laughs> um, I got an internship and then hired full-time with the the White Sox um, right after uh, their World Series championship oh, yeah in 06 so worked there um, I mean it was like a dream um, going to a ballpark every day for work like That's you get cool. off the train and like walk I mean it was awesome um being able to you know take some of the community relations programs kids through the clubhouse like an MLB oh, clubhouse cool, um to see just how teams move and operate before the doors or, or gates open I think was always fascinating to me yeah especially when you see uh a team like the the Yankees or the Red Sox come to town they move and behave and operate differently than other teams, and you see that way that cultivates success. Yeah. Um, so you see these like well finely tuned programs. Yeah. Versus other ones. So like, what are some examples of like, like specifics? One I remember like 
uh, when the Yankees and Red Sox would, would, would come, especially if it wasn't like the get out of town day, like the Sunday leave day, um, they would like all come out and there'd be a moment where they're like all stretching together as a team. And a lot of MLB teams do it, but then they kind of like really disperse. Yeah. But there's like, you're just like more, you just saw this like unity and cohesion from like their, their warmups yeah. where some teams, it was like none. Everyone just warmed up on their own. Yeah. You know? Um, but I think that just this discipline that everybody's on the field for these stretches at this time together and then go do your own thing. Yeah. Was like a little bit, a little bit old school, but you could see that it was a foundation for success. Yeah. And uh, I wrote a blog on it once. It's like you saw, especially when the out-of-town teams, there's a player's entrance, but sometimes out-of-town guys would, you know, maybe be coming from the hotel, wouldn't be on the team bus, so they'd take a cab. And so they'd walk in, like, where the other employees come in. Oh, yeah. And same thing. It was like, dude, you'd see Jeter, all these guys walked in early. And most of the time, on average, like, for a, a night baseball game, uh, you know, a seven o'clock start, a major league player is usually going to get there into the clubhouse, probably like noon to one sometime yeah. after lunch. And, you know, I always joke that, you know, the all-star players will probably get there more like 10 to 11. The hall of famers will be there by 10. <laughs> and, and it will kind of, you know, from Jim Tomey with the white Sox, it's like, he's 40 years old, still showing up first. Yeah. You know, and part of that, you got to get your body ready, but you know, Derek Jeter too, like these Yankees got Paul O'Neill, like all these guys, they're still showing up at nine, nine in the morning for a seven o'clock game yeah. to get their work in. And you're showing the younger players like, yeah. Hey, like this is why I'm here. This is why I'm not the level I'm at. Definitely. And I, I think the other one that, that jumps out to me as far as seeing, seeing how hard they work was, uh, was right before I left the nuggets after coming out the lockout, uh, the warriors were in town and, uh, remember they're kind of shooting around and most of the guys kind of went in and all of a sudden this guy came out and I'm like oh who's that I'm like oh that's that kid from Davidson <laughs> that guy, guy he's really good right? that Curry kid yeah. like, oh like I wonder you know and literally I was like wonder if he'll pan out in the NBA yeah you know and then all of a sudden with them there's this guy uh, an Asian basketball player I'm like who's that guy and they're like, we look, we're trying to like, he had his jacket on, so he didn't have his name on the back of the jersey. So like, we literally like Googled it right there and we're like, who's on that? Who's that? Like, oh, it's Jeremy Lin. Yeah. Some kid played at Harvard. Yeah. And that was like just a couple, you know, the next year, Lin Sanity yeah, yeah. happened. And obviously <laughs> Steph Curry, um, you know, but it was these two just went at it. And just the, it was before Steph's dribbling drills became famous. Now there's people all around him in the warm up. When there was no one there, he was doing it. Doing it, yeah. You know, and him and Jeremy Lin, I remember like, what if these guys have to go in tonight? Like, yeah. they're going to be exhausted because <laughs> they were going, you know, so hard to get, get some extra work in. Um, but as that old adage, like, man, you know, practice like you're the starter. You yeah. know, play, and they were already trying to, you know, do the things that they couldn't. So That's awesome. There's a lot of great things to, you know, observe and being around pro sports um, for so long. Well, especially um, pro sports, because you're like you're seeing the guys and girls who are like at the top level, like no one's better than them in the whole entire world, and yet even there you can see the differences between like Steph Curry and like what he's doing differently than all these other extremely amazing athletes. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think one of my favorite things too is like if you could like get those times in the ballpark, like uh, before people had come into batting practice, it was like really quiet. And you could hear them talk about their swing or their cut or whatever. Yeah. And like the nuances and the detail. Yeah. It just blows your mind. Yeah. Um, 
you know, and I think like, I think it's uh, Chris Paul. I was just reading in a book that um, Chris Paul, you know, is a great passer, but he also not only like knows, he knows how each player wants to receive the ball in their hands. Oh, that's cool. To where the laces of the basketball, yeah, how they're received when he gives a pass. Yeah. And he, he was asked about it once, like, why do you take so such a commitment to your passing? And he said, well, they put laces on the ball for a reason. That's awesome. And I, you know, I was like, whoa, <laughs> like, that's pretty dope quote. Like, you know, if I'm going to put lace on the ball for a reason. You know, that way I can, there's a reason. My player, my buddy center likes him this way. Shooting yeah. guard likes to receive it this way. And yeah. It's like, man, like the precision they're passing is like different level. So when you, when you're teaching kids about leadership, and first of all, I think like your experiences are incredible because it's showing the kids like, yeah, man, like I know what I'm talking about because... I've experienced this as a player, but also as an observer, someone who's involved in different programs, things yeah. like that. Um, but like what it's, it's hard for me because leadership is such kind of like a wide ranging topic. Like how do yeah. you lead? You can lead through your actions. You can lead through being open and willing yeah. to like share advice with other people or take their advice. Like that's being a leader too. Like how do you even go about like defining it for kids? Yeah, and it's kind of what I talk about exercises, like find out how they think about it. Okay. I think part yeah. of the problem is that what I experienced when they're like, I, I was thrust in these positions because of you know athletic talent that I'm a captain and now I got to lead. Yeah. And, and the, the part of leadership of demonstrating a great work ethic, be first on the line, touch the line, those kind of things, I was really good at. Yeah. You know, I, I was always trying out for the team that didn't exist. You know, yeah. <laughs> like kind of effort, but the encouraging teammates picking them up when they made a mistake not being critical yeah i had not a clue when i was in high school you know partially then that's why i do now but i, I, think, I relate to that so much yeah, and i think leadership <laughs> from my high school kids is, it's, it's this big topic <clears throat> but it's done simply yeah and i think that's where kids get overwhelmed like i don't want to be a leader man there's too much involved yeah you know it can kind of overwhelm with like this big ideal but when you you break it down and one of the exercises I do is I give them like eight to ten different statements they're all true they all yeah you know and then I have the kids you know what are the two that resonate or vibe with you the most and that's one of the ways I have them unpack it gotcha um you know is is that all these statements are true these are said by great people or, or that I've pulled them from or whatever um, there's no names attached to them, so they can't, you know. They create, can't cheat. No like, bias, I like LeBron. But, yeah, you know, there's no like name bias, and most of them are probably from places that they they don't you wouldn't know anyway. Yeah. But um, it's interesting to see because at the same time, I have used some of that exercise enough, like this last fall with like 500 kids, where it almost becomes like a research. Where like 25 percent of kids all at least Tells always mentioned always included this one in their top two. Yeah. And that was you know leadership isn't. Uh, who shows up when the lights are on, but who shows up when the lights are off. Yeah. And most of that kids unpack that to a point where like admitting that like they need support. Yeah. You know, and, and that sometimes is like in, in a high school environment, like they're admitting like we need other people there for us. Yeah. And, you know, but at the same time, who's going to be there? Who, you know, that that keeps changing. Yeah. You know, in the dichotomy of, of you know, high school social stuff. So um, they all recognize that, but it's easier like, okay, like now you might be that person today for someone. Yeah. You might be that person for tomorrow for your brother. Your mom might be having a bad day at the end of the week. You yeah. Might, you might be that person. That's um, cool. But I think getting them to, to figure out, and I think when you give them, when you have them start breaking out, like, what is it? All right. Well, what's, what's being kind today? How can you be kindness? How can yeah. you be more kind? Um, 
you know, leaders are empathetic. You know, how can you, yeah. you, you, you know, seek understanding versus seeking answers? You know, but I, I think when someone says, hey, they're a really good leader, it's because they've done a lot of things well for a long time. Yeah. You know. That makes sense. Uh, yeah. Versus, I mean, you, you, you all have the deck coming. They, they invented something or, you know, Mark Zuckerberg invented Facebook, so he's a leader. It's like, well, his product, you know, to create a product, yeah, I mean, there's, he's a leader in that way. But, you know, it's, it, again, that's why defining what is a leader in your context. Yeah. You know, and I think getting kids to realize, like, being a leader um, on your team is different than what I need as a leader in the classroom. Yeah, yeah. You know, and a leader in the classroom is different than from what your mom and dad need as a leader in a big brother yeah. or a big sister. Yeah. And I think giving um, context um, and then I was trying to tell kids like if you're working on your leadership anywhere you're working on it everywhere okay so that way you know how if they, they find and seek opportunities where they can elevate those skills or the qualities the core values that they think leadership are you know maybe it's easier to do them at home first that makes work sense. on them there yeah and then you build confidence that skill set then it's easier to encourage the stranger in the hallways at your locker yeah you know and pick them up when you know they they had a bad day or a bad moment yeah um so it's like you know find the context where maybe you, you can build confidence at it and then take them over somewhere else so i think with kids to the figuring out what they think it is yeah that's the thing i'm like i'm i'm not even a hundred percent sure how i would go about it. i don't think you can define it yeah. in like one simple term you know and it's, i mean in those kind of the statement exercise one of the things that kids are very uh, keen to as teenagers is leadership ain't your position yeah i don't have to trust you yeah. You know, it's like you have to earn my trust. Yeah. You know, and it's like we adults maybe don't like hearing that from the generation, but it's like it's true. Yeah. It's, it's been out there. Like when you have not earned their trust, they're either they're they're just more upfront with with their adults, um, you know, yeah. in the day and age they are. It's, but if you can cultivate that trust to be able to cultivate a lot of leadership. Yeah, oh well, exactly. As a teacher you have to know that going in, like, hey, they're not gonna just automatically respect everything I say right. just because I'm a teacher. Like, in fact, for like middle school students, especially that might be like a negative for, for them coming in already being like, he's the teacher. So like, do you have different periods that come through? Yeah. So, Same. well, I mean, I teach science most okay. of the time. So I have one period of leadership class. Gotcha. So I was thinking too, like even like from class to class, like this it class would be is really, interesting. like I always have like teachers like, Hey man, I was at this one class. It's like, <laughs> doesn't click with me or doesn't yeah. engage. Yeah. Like the other six hours are great. You know, yeah. And it's like you halfway change, through the semester, man. You know, and then, then they go into, like, I'm, like, going to experiment mode, man. You got to be flexible. as I mean, as a teacher, and you know this, like, it sounds like what you're doing is it's essentially just awesome teaching. Um, but you got to be flexible. You have to understand your audience and, yeah. and how you're going to change. Yeah. However, you, whatever your end goal is, there are many different ways to get there. Yeah. Like, for me in science, I'm, like, my end goal is that they learn about blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But how I get there is totally could be totally different between any of my classes. So. Like you said with uh, experiment, yeah. you know, engagement. Yeah. Um, and kind of that, that Tim Elmore book, you know, we talked about like kids want, they want to talk about it. Yeah. They want to watch about it. Yeah. Or a screen, kind of give them something to show or give them some sort of engaging activity where they got to do something. Yep, exactly. You know, make them a participant. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if, if you can do those kind of things, your lessons will get a little bit more sticky. Yeah. So how do you balance that with um, – like having guest speakers, you know, like I guess how long are people generally speaking for and like, 
Yeah, are you talking about for your class? Or just in general for like when you've had guest speakers, you know, like at your leadership summit, things like yeah. that. Yeah. And I know it's it's part of the engagement for that is like you're listening to a guest speaker who's sure. in the NFL or a pro soccer player or something. You know, you already – they gain that respect already because of what they've yeah. accomplished coming in. There's – I think um, for me what I've found uh, – and I, I've planned some other events. But I've planned this one with Greeley School Districts that we did in June um, and contracted some other speakers for it to, to come be a part of it. Um, but even that, we, we constructed about like 30 minutes max. Yeah. Because I think it's really for kids. Um, you know, it's, it's they're used to Netflix. Like give them, give yeah. them, give them one solid episode yeah. of, of something and then let them digest it or discuss it. Yeah. And I think even... Um, you know, so when I have speakers, I think there, there's certain guests, there's certain speakers that come in and you know they're they do an hour long talk. Yeah. It's freaking awesome. <laughs> you paid that money, you do the hour talk. Yeah. You yeah. know, at, at the same time when there's when there's certain personas and things that can can hold the attention. Um, if and if there is time and someone we obviously I think there there's a you figure that out with, yeah. with kind of what time you have uh, with ours. You know, we're doing it in the evening, so it's kind of shorter. So oh, it's yeah. like we want to, you know, have to, we're going to have two 30-minute keynotes and then a panel discussion with nice. pro athletes, um, which, you know, again, the, you know, the participants uh, can ask questions. Yeah. Because I think the big thing that I see too much with guest speakers in schools is they're talked to. Yes. Either, you know, and if they is someone, maybe I usually, I see it a lot from former athletes because they tell their story, right? But then give some time for some Q&A with the kids. Yeah. And you're going to have to, like, massage that time, especially if it's pro athletes, because kids won't have the courage to ask questions. Some will shoot yeah. that hand up and ask. <laughs> the there's thing. a couple. Yeah, every there's some. Yeah, they, they'll ask them the thing you don't want them to ask. But most, as you know, is you utilize some softball questions to, like, you know, all right, you know, you talked about, you know, you didn't get drafted, you know, and you still had to make the team. Talk yeah. about how that affected you. Yeah. You know, and I think the more you can start to let kids ask questions, the more they can connect. Yeah, that um, makes sense. And so I even like it at, at this one event, you know, um, you know, they had the speakers go. They all had breakout. And later in the afternoon, we all came back on stage and kids could ask us all different questions. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they had come back from lunch and maybe even thinking about something. Oh, yeah. Um, or maybe talking with their friends yeah, about so it. They, yeah. They, our model was basically they, um, they heard a speaker, then they had some time kind of to digest it in, in little groups. Yeah. And then we came back with a high energy activity and then another speaker. That makes and then sense. And we kind of move, move it through that way. Yeah. Um, as opposed to a lot of times what you'll see is we'll cram all the speakers and then maybe at the end of the day, maybe we'll get together and be like, what did we learn today? Yeah. And you know, and like. Well, and, and kids might take the conversation to a completely different, like different direction. That's really important from their perspective that you wouldn't even thought of. Yeah. You know? You're like, whoa. Let's, I've had people uh, sometimes like, oh, well, I wish we could come to this, or I wish we could have gone to that, you know. We, but we're our school's forty minutes away. Yeah. And my my response is always, you know, who gives me the best feedback after events, is the people that came together from 30, 40, yeah. 50 miles away, because they're like, man, my kids were just talking the whole way home in a oh, different yeah. light. That's cool. Because you know, here, like you five minutes home, you just get in your cars and you go. But those yeah. teams sometimes are, are those leadership groups that you know, drove 30 minutes from yeah. wherever. Those are the ones that come back. Like our kids were just talking about it the whole time. So then we planned what we we're going to do next week. That's cool. You know, or I was like, actually you've got to like 
got this great time to, yeah. to break down what you ta- heard. That's cool. You know, man. and I think locally, when you don't have that drive, you can still go get pizza. Yeah. With the kids, that's the other ones. Like we had, we went afterwards. Yeah, we went, we went, and got pizza afterwards, and we talked about over pizza what, what the number one thing we were all gonna work on. That's super cool. You know, man. so but it's like some sort of if there's no follow up. Yeah. There's no follow up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Uh, there won't be. So. That's awesome, man. Well, I guess the last uh, couple of things, just kind of like wrap up. Um, just you you mentioned earlier, and it's a totally way bigger topic. Uh, but the whole idea of like sports as this access into these lessons that you can use through the rest of your life, and yeah. obviously for me and you and people who have experienced this and who have continued to do sports into their adulthood. Yeah. Like I, I have to continue doing certain athletic things because it teaches me so much every single year. I'm like, why would I stop doing this? Like, I don't understand. I don't want to stop learning these lessons or sometimes relearning them where I'll learn it. Like I'll do one, I'll do a race and I'll come back with all these, like this new perspective of life for like a couple of months and then it slowly fades away and I'm like, I got to do another race. I got to learn that again. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so like what kind of things have you learned? Like what have been like one or two, like really big key things that you've applied to your life and in order for you to, you know, be a successful adult? Yeah. As a, from the athlete world. Yeah. Um, I think one is just, um, kind of touched on two of the other pain points like getting ejected and, and dealing with a back injury the the third one that's kind of vital to like what drives me what I do is you know when I was working for the White Sox had a great job had a lot of great things going but I was you know anxious and depressed relationships yeah. were a mess like everyone's like you've got a job in sports you'd be on top of the world yeah. you know it, big city, everything was going great and I was just a miserable person and uh I went this, you know, went to, to therapy. You know, there's a major league baseball. It's called the at bat program, <laughs> assistance program. Really? Yeah. They have like therapy. In so you know, baseball? when people get fined, that's where the money goes. Oh. It's called the major league baseball like assistance treatment program. Okay. Um, but so it helps you know a lot of like you know, drug use, divorce issues, a lot of you know counseling in the game. But it also helps employees yeah. <laughs> um, and so like I remember having a bad day and finally went to the HR director like I'm just not myself and she recommended going to a therapist through this program and I was like yo I, I'm an athlete we don't do that <laughs> we yeah. didn't go talk about feelings yeah. and stuff and she's like yeah you come on you're, you're that's what you're doing to me right now and I was like wait you're right I am just pouring my guts out to you you know she's like and she's like and I am I'm just giving you telling you to go help I can't help you you know yeah. and so that kind of broke down the barrier and um you know, I was just going through anxiety and, and, and depression and kind of going through some of that was with the therapist for a couple of months was like I got further away from the athletic things that made me the confident yeah. person I was. Yeah. Um, I, I think coming out of school that, that let me attack the things in the world I did and I wasn't working out like I used to. Um, so that was really when I got into running and was like, I'm going to run a half marathon. Yeah. And I tell people, like, how'd you get into running? I'm like, I decided I was going to run a half marathon. <laughs> and I was like, my, you want to know how the first day of training went? I got off that treadmill at 0.8. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And I came, but I came back the next day. That's what you got to do. And I did 1.2. Yep. And I came back the third day and I did 1.5. And then I took a day off. And by the end of the week, I got to two miles. There you go, man. <laughs> and like, the, and, and it was just, I could see the numbers moving, you know, 
but you know getting back to like these core things was like I was working out every day yeah you know and, and then I was around surrounding my people myself with you know like-minded people that were driven and I, I think when I got into social circles outside of athletics I was influenced by too many unlike-minded people that you know either brought me down or, or brought opportunities you know further further yeah. from me so being an athlete and doing those things, I, I think that's also how we handle our strength is we go compete. So just like you said, like I want to go compete. And for yeah. me, it's I want to compete with myself. I want to become you know, a better athlete, a better runner, um, get more flexible. And I think when you stay active, um, doing any kind of thing that's physical literacy, you'll, you'll be able to find, like push your bounds. And I think when you're doing that physically, it, it's a lot able to start to build mental things yeah. and mental aspects because um, at the same time, um, you know, this mental toughness that, that we build as an athlete and it applies to the real world. And, um, through a lot of interviews too, I've had a lot of great perspectives on what mental toughness is. And even some of my mentors, you know, are endurance athletes and, and triathletes and, um, this Navy SEAL ex or next, uh, special ops, uh, Navy guy that I was interviewing and he's done a bunch of endurance stuff. He was like, you know, mental toughness is your, you know, your capacity to love yourself. Yeah. And I think, you know, when I was an athlete, you know, I loved myself. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and I think, you know, sometimes we get away from like, you know, having that love for ourselves, And some of that was mis misguided <laughs> in, in my youth. But, um, you know, like be in love with who you are and what you can develop and, and compete with that person. Um, so really kind of the, the things I took away from um, the things are, you know, surround yourself with good like-minded people whenever you can because once you leave that team it's harder to find them yeah it just is in life and then you know stay active whatever it is maybe your those things change i i would my track coach i he made me do a half mile once i was like nope no more time trials i'm a one lap yeah. max kind of guy yeah. you know and i was a one lap max kind of guy until i was like 30 years old yeah <laughs> and, and then then started running and but being years. open to the change exactly because that was the same way like i remember leaving my house or leaving my whatever dorm at warburg college going for like a mile and a half run and suffering through it like it was the worst thing i've ever done yeah. and then to now like thinking like over the last 10 years being like oh and now i would consider myself a runner yeah. like who would have thought yeah and the <laughs> Kind of the, the other thing is I kind of built some of those things back into my life too. Was like when I was an athlete, I was the dork in high school that had like off my dad's IBM would print Excel sheets and keep track of all my lifts yeah. and workouts yeah. for the week. And I had a notebook. And when like the seniors in high school were picking on me, like throw my notebook down the stairs. You're like, yeah, nerd. And I'm like, you know, I'd be stronger than you in a week, you know? Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I was like that, I kept track of everything. And I'm like, I remember even like sometimes I like keep a track of diet, you know, and yeah. certain things. And um, just started to bring more of that back into my life over the years. Like, what are you keeping track of? Yeah. And the same thing, I'm like, when you track stuff, you you change numbers. Yeah. You know, my, you know, measurement's motivation. I've heard. And it's like, when you start to see that, you're like, hmm, could have done better that day. Maybe you're honest with yourself. Or that yeah. was a good day confidence builder when you're being like aware and not on zombie mode constantly yeah and i was like even if it's a simple when we're talking about discipline i just tell people like it's it's usually just i just want to see check marks every day yeah. i just want to see calendars full of x's what's the thing you're doing exit out and i yeah. think um there's a famous story this guy ended up being in the finance world um 
now you hear you know so many performance coaches always talk about it james clear great book um with his uh habits or ha- clear habits yeah i've heard of it it's a great book you know and he talks about it's like never miss two um and and that kind of thing and the first time i heard it was this guy that he he wrote for forbes or whatever but he was used to be a struggling stand-up comedian yeah and like one night in new york like years ago jerry had just like signed a deal for nbc so he wasn't quite like you know they're going to make the pilot and uh he was still doing stand-up and this guy like opened for him and you know asked him his like how'd you become such a great comic and it's basically that you know it's where you see those things in real life examples. And he said, you know, I wrote one joke every day. Yeah. And he's like, just write one joke every day. Showing up. And he's like, that's what made me successful. And the guy's like, obviously, I, I stopped writing a joke every day. That's what I found myself in the finance world. <laughs> he's like, he's yeah. like, you know, and he goes partially. He's like, you know, it's okay. He goes, he left. He goes, but I apply that same advice to my job now, and it makes me extremely yeah. successful. For sure. And, and so it's just that. Be consistent. Yeah. You know, be able at the end of the day, can you cross out that day that you fulfilled it, that, yeah. that you can feel good about that? That's awesome, man. It might be. My friend Paul's a writer, and he just says the secret to – he's like, I'll tell you the secret to writing. I'm like, oh, yeah? What is that? And he goes, ass plus chair equals writing. Like, just show up and do it. You just got to do it. Yeah. Like, I don't know. <laughs> totally. That's awesome, man. Well, yeah. Tyler, thank you for coming on the show, man. I, I really appreciate it. it. It's cool. Yeah, definitely uh, appreciate being on. And, and this is the first podcast where I have a whole notebook page worth of just writing. And I'm definitely listening to it again as I'm organizing my class. For cool. Sure. Well, I'll get some, uh, some more stuff for your class offline, too. Yeah. All right, guys, that wraps up this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening and joining uh our conversation this week and tyler let me say man like i appreciate uh being able to take uh an hour or two and sit down and and kind of just bounce ideas off of you um i really respect what uh you are doing right now and um yeah and i am very grateful for all the help in planning my leadership class so uh, once this conversation ended, we sat around for probably an extra hour, went over some of his ideas and some of the ways he like the more like nitty gritty details to how he um, organizes and runs his leadership groups. Um, and then over the last week or so, he sent a whole bunch of materials and uh, resources and things uh, that I can use, which is um, so incredibly helpful. And um yeah, and I've been mentioning this class to people like around the community, like as I'm getting coffee and stuff. <laughs> I don't know why the class has been on my mind. And, uh, you know, I was at the coffee shop the other day and I was telling the the, the guy um, making the coffee about my leadership class. And he was just, you know, basically telling me like the, the thing that's obvious, but it's nice to hear is just like... Um, you're helping train the future and these kids are the future and i hope that um they can be led in a direction that's really positive but also empowering and give them the strength and the confidence and the knowledge and the know-how to actually go out and be great leaders themselves so um it's something i'm taking really seriously Um, And it's also something I'm really, really excited about. Uh, So when I get to sit down and talk to guys like Tyler, um, who know more than me about this and about how to 
um, focus kids in on these concepts, um, I'm going to be a sponge and I'm going to listen. I'm going to absorb. And uh, I'm definitely coming back to this episode a few times throughout the year. I got to imagine that I'm probably uh, texting Tyler with my various um, successes and, and failures with the class and, and, uh, and kind of getting his input on what's working and what's not working and, and what I could tweak and make better. Um, because he's someone who's done this longer than me at this point, um, which is, it's really nice to be able to, um, to have conversations with people who know more than you. (laughs) That's what I should call this podcast is conversations with people who know more than me. Um, but all right, guys, that wraps up this week's Like a Bigfoot podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed. And like I said, uh, make sure you check out all of Tyler's stuff. It's Elevate, Educate, Rejuvenate. Um, if you're on Instagram, it's all of that except for the instead of the A-T-E at the each, each one, it's the, the number eight. I almost said letter eight. So it would be like Elevate, you know educate with an eight as the number uh and rejuvenate so i'll link all that stuff in the show notes um so you can check that out and follow him he's very uh very inspiring dude so um all right guys we'll get back at you next week